If you're only doing your whatever, Google and LinkedIn advertising and doing the same thing as everyone else, how do you expect to have extraordinary results? How are you going to stand out if you're doing the exact same thing as everyone else? So yeah. at Gong, we're always looking at what nobody is doing, and then let's go do that. You're listening to Digital Conversations with Billy Bateman, the demand gen leader source for the latest revenue strategies presented by Chat Funnels. All right, everyone. Welcome to Digital Conversations. I am your host, Billy Bateman, and today I'm joined by a man that needs no introduction, CMO at Gong, Udi Ledegord. Udi, how are you doing today? I'm great, Billy. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, man. Really excited to have you and uh, and and have this conversation. So. Before we get into it, um, you know, for those that don't know you, would you mind just introducing yourself and telling them a little bit about Gong if they don't know what Gong is? Sure. So um, I'm Udi, as you said, I'm the chief officer, uh, chief marketing officer at Gong. This is my fifth time leading a marketing team for a tech company. Uh, previous companies have been acquired or went public. And um, fun fact, this is my third time working with my current CEO, Amit Bendov. So we've worked together across three different companies. Uh, one was bought by Salesforce, one was bought by Infosys, and uh, Gong is, is probably not going to be bought by anyone because we're way too big for that. Uh, Gong is a revenue intelligence platform that unlocks reality to help people and companies achieve their full potential, whether it's sales teams or marketing teams, product teams, customer success teams. We, we help everyone who has anything to do with revenue. Yeah, you guys do a great job. The first time I heard about Gong, my brother's a sales rep at a SaaS company. And, and, you know, I was asking, hey, what what tools are you using? And he's like, well, they just got us this Gong thing like a month ago. And he's like, at first I was, not, you know, a little skeptical, but he's like, it's actually really good. It's helped my calls quite a bit. So that, that's a typical response that we get. Uh, some companies reps are initially a little... Uh, oh, I don't know, my boss is going to use this against me or, or listen to every word I say, but they very quickly see that uh, it's really meant for them. It's so yeah. the reps don't have to enter notes into their calls. It's so they can listen to other reps' calls and learn from them so they can go back and see what they promised the customer or share their call with the customer and ask for feedback and get help. So companies who are really about helping the reps succeed and, and turn some of the maybe struggling ones into fantastic ones, uh, they're going to get a ton of value out of Gong. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And when he changed jobs, he was like pretty much I wanted my next company to have Gong and they they were using it. So, so okay. I love it, man. Gong, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's, it's worth looking at if you've got a sales team. Um, so we're going to get into a new section or a new – section here on the uh, the podcast and you're actually the first one Udi, to go through this um we've done over 100 episodes and we decided let's change it up and add some new things so we've got our rapid fire questions with Udi. um we've got five questions here so i'm gonna hit you with the moody and you just give me the answers whatever first comes to mind so number one your favorite book uh can i pick two so work related is influence by robert cialdini if you're okay. in marketing or anything around marketing you have to read that book. It's not optional. Everyone on my team has to read it, require reading. Um, Non-work related, I really enjoyed uh, Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. Uh, he's a hilarious writer and he writes about his years in France. Uh, go read that one if you need a good laugh. Okay, I always love a good laugh, so I'll have to check that one out. All right, next one, favorite podcast. 
That would have to be Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence podcast, co-hosted by Sheena Badani and Devin Reed. Uh, they, they meet with revenue leaders every Monday and post the raw podcast, and they hear amazing things about what uh, real-life revenue leaders are dealing with, how they're growing their teams, and uh, it's, it's worth a, a listen to anyone looking to climb the ranks in a revenue organization. Awesome. Awesome. It's a good one. Next one, one product you can't live without. I guess Slack. I mean, I just use it all the time, all day. Uh, I just can't, can't stop. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then what was your first job? Uh, so before going into tech, um, I was in entertainment. I was a magician for several years uh, doing magic shows and everything from kids' birthday parties to malls. And uh, I, I played the piano, as anyone who follows me on LinkedIn probably knows. I, I did the hotel circuit and wedding receptions and union, uh, you name it. Awesome. That sounds like fun. It was. How did you make the transition from, from doing that into tech? Um, so I was in the military for four years, as most folks in Israel are for, for a few years. And after that, I, got, I landed my first job in tech that had something to do with the rocket system I specialized on in the military. And um, a couple of jobs later, I, I found that the closest thing to my love for showmanship and entertainment is actually marketing because we, we put on the show. We are the face of the company. We do the events. We do the website. That's That should be entertainment. If, if your website and social media are not entertaining, you're doing it wrong. Awesome. I like it. I like it. And then the last question, one marketing play you would never sacrifice amazing content that really provides value. That is the core of any winning B2B marketing strategy and uh, we, we know how to do it. I love it, man. You guys do put out a lot of great content. So now that we've got that, that done, let's hop into the meat of the conversation. What I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, you guys have done an amazing job building a brand at Gong. Um, I mean, if you've been in in SaaS or B2B sales and marketing for the last couple of years. If you haven't heard of Gong and at least figured out a little bit about what you guys do, uh, you're probably just not paying attention and got your head you know, buried in the sand or something. So um, I wanted to talk to you about how you guys have built this brand because you've done a great job. Everything from a Super Bowl commercial, you've got your mascot, Bruno the dog. Um, so let's start with this. You know, you were... I think you were marketing hire number one. Is that correct there at Gong? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. I joined the company when there were about a dozen people, uh, most of them engineers geeking out on their code. And uh, Amit, our CEO, called me and said, uh, look, uh, we, we onboarded 12 beta customers and 11 of them became paying customers within three months because they didn't want us to shut this off. Uh, I think we need to start marketing this thing. Uh, can you come help? So that's when I joined. Awesome. So when you joined, you know, Gong didn't didn't have a brand really at that point. What, what did you think about as you were helping to build that brand? What are the, the first things that you're like, okay, let's start here? I think the two main elements that I used to, to build this brand are one, our own raving fans. And this is something that I can't take credit for because the the core of our raving fans are created by the product. And once they're using the product for a while by the customer success team, that is, that is what makes everything in the company infinitely easier. 
if, if you're an early stage startup and you're wondering, oh, can I just bring some brilliant marketer and build this gong-like brand? No, focus on your product, make your customers happy. That will do 10 times more than the best marketer can do. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. serious. You, you have to get that elusive product market fit where the customers are raving about your product. They're talking about it without you asking them. If you're at that stage, then you can bring in marketing that can come in and amplify those raving fans, which is what we've been doing. You know, when when five years ago we had we had literally a dozen customers, and uh, Amit was traveling to I think it was Saster that year or something, and I I quickly got him a, a tripod for his uh, iPhone and a neck mic and, and a, a lamp, and I said, look, you're going to meet all of our customers there. I need you to take a three minute video of each telling how much they're enjoying the product. And then he came back with 12 customer testimonials. We had 12 customers, he came back with 12 customer testimonials. And a week later, they're one on the website. So we're this tiny startup with 12 customers and I have 12 customer stories on the website. How amazing is that? Now, I didn't do much. I, I just gave him a tripod and a neck mic. The, the product was so amazing that the customers were happy to talk about it and their experience with it. So that should definitely be your initial focus. No marketing tricks. Can substitute for that yeah the second part is really creating a content strategy that adds so much value to our customers life and to our future customers life that they want to sign up for it and they're waiting for the next one the the, the bar that we set um there, there's two two actually so one bar is content that we would want to consume if you're creating something that's a boring i don't know product pitch or uh, making up some industry trend to show how more and more companies are doing something that we happen to be selling. If you're not going to read that and enjoy it, nobody else is. So just stop. Create something that your customers are actually going to get value from and you would want to consume. That's number one. Two, an even higher bar is, can we create content so good that people are willing to pay for it? And that may sound ridiculous, like who's paying for B2B marketing. Well, you'd be surprised. Um, every month or so, we get an email from a college professor or a sales enablement manager saying, hey, I just read this great article and cheat sheet that you released. What would it cost me to license this? Because I want to teach all of my students this, or I want to uh, train all of my team on this, and I need more copies of it. Um, and of course, every time we, we get that, we go cha-ching. That is content so good that people are willing to pay for it. We never charge for our content, by the way. We always yeah. say just, just credit Gong and use it freely. But we love that validation that we've created content so good that people are reaching out willing to pay for it. Dude, I, I love that. You know, you guys do put out a lot of great content. Yeah, I went to uh, you did a virtual event. Um, I believe it was just a couple months ago that that I watched a few sessions out of. And dude, you guys do a great job. Thank um, you. So what, you know, the marketing leader, like you're, I think you're right. If you don't have a good product, like you're not going to be able to create a great brand or you may be able to create a great brand for a short time, but you'll be found out. Um, yeah, you, you can fool some of them some of the time. You can't fool all of them all the time. Yeah, yeah you, you'll be found out. You know, the greatest brand in the world can't mask a horrible product. Um, but what's the most important thing you think the marketing leader can do is, you know, you've got a great product. What do you do next? Besides, you know, is it is it just creating great content, or what can you do to help get that brand established throughout the whole organization? So, internal marketing is, I think, an underrated part of marketing. 
some organizations, their marketing team is so secluded or siloed that they're only looking outwards, trying to talk to customers, and they're not harnessing the whole internal team that they have. When, when we want to sign up people for an event or we want to publish a, a press release or a new piece of content, I have 700 gongsters, which is what we call our employees. Why would I not get them to post it and just get the fire started that way? And to do that, you've got to show them value internally, and we do. So when, when I talk to my salespeople, I show them, look, here's how the LinkedIn feed algorithm works. We, lose, we, we use LinkedIn a lot because we, we're selling to sales leaders. Say, look, yeah. when, when the LinkedIn feed algorithm sees that a piece of content is published, and within the first hour or so, say 30 or 50 people share it and comment on it, the LinkedIn algorithm goes, oh, that's that's a good piece of content for certain types of people. Now, LinkedIn is trying to keep all of us, like any social network, on the network. They don't want us to ever leave. So yeah. they want to promote the good pieces of content, and they want to kind of hide the, the ones that nobody's going to be reading because that's what makes you leave, right? If you're bored, you're going to leave. So the, the easiest way to hack that is, hey, we've got 700 gongsters. What if 300 of us shared this piece the moment it is published? Then the LinkedIn algorithm goes, whoa, this is the best piece of content on LinkedIn all day. Let's show this to everyone because it'll probably keep them there. And it works every single time. It works every single time. You just get your employees involved. And I, I did this when it was just a dozen engineers and I'm doing it now when we have 700 gongsters. You'll see that when we do uh, a fresh piece of content, uh, one of the sort of marquee pieces, we don't do this for every piece because folks would get tired. We, we do this for yeah. select pieces no more than once every week or so. but we put a calendar hold for everyone at Gong saying, folks, at 8.05, this piece is going to be live. We need everyone to like, comment, tag a, a prospect on it that you think would find this interesting, and share this piece on your network. Boom. 300 Gongsters at least will share the piece. And, and then LinkedIn keeps propelling it, and, and everyone sees it. And, and then more people, you know, by tagging people, that's an easy way of – but you've got to do it in a tasteful way. Don't be those spammers that you – tag 400 people on a post. That's that's yeah. annoying and I, I, I mark those as spam and I block those people. But if someone personally tagged me and only me or maybe a couple of other people and said, hey, Yuri, this is what we talked about last week. I thought you'd be interested. Well, if you have 200 salespeople and all of them have dozens of accounts they're working on and you publish the right type of content for those accounts, they probably have someone they can tag that would be interested and then you get those readers in and then they tag their boss or their teammate and they go, oh, this is exactly what we were talking about. Of course, the content has to be great, right? The, yeah. the promotion is a really important part, but you can't hack your way out of a bad piece of content. Agreed, agreed. So, so what are some of the mistakes that, I mean, obviously you, you've had a lot of success, but you've probably made a few mistakes along the way. What are, what are some of those that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, um, happy to find a few mistakes. Obviously, we, we make more mistakes, or I don't know if mistakes is the right word. We fail way more often than we succeed, but but everyone likes talking, and, and you, we definitely see the successes. Um, so, so some things that uh, I think could have been done uh, better. Um, we had a we had a campaign that bombed last year during June. It was, uh, it was right after the, the murder of George Floyd. And um, we happened to be running a reviews collection campaign that month. 
And what we did in the past that worked is we, we offered folks like, hey, go write a review about us in G2 or one of the other platforms. We'll, we'll give you an Amazon gift card or something. And that, that, that helps just drive people. We don't tell them what to write. We, we have no control over that. And that's how the reviews platform work. But we can incentivize them to, to take three minutes to go do that. And we thought at that time that given everything that was going on, people would like to contribute to uh, one of the Black Lives Matter uh, movements and, and organizations. And we tied that reviews campaign to, hey, if you write a review, we'll donate 25 bucks in your name to, to this and this organization. And, and that backfired badly. Um, within an hour of sending that out, uh, we got like a handful, but, but I'll explain why that's important. We got like six responses that, that were pretty bad. They're like, Gong, this was very distasteful. And, and if, if you want to donate to Black Lives Matter, don't ask me to do anything for you. Just go donate. And uh, this is not what we expect from Gong. And this is offensive. And they were absolutely right. And I know that in any case where you get a comment like that, or, or a handful of them, there's probably 20 other people behind every one of those that did take the time to write back because they cared. There's 20 others that just deleted the emails and went, sheesh, these guys are idiots. Yeah. And as soon as we saw that, it was just like six comments. Um, within an hour, we sent out an apology email. We donated um, several thousand dollars to the organization that we were trying to collect money for, and we completely disconnected it. And, and we learned the lesson that, that in, in times of hypersensitivity like this, you've got to do what's what's right for people, not what's necessarily right for the company or, or trying to promote uh, your, your own self-interest in, in a time like this. So uh, yeah. we, we never stopped the business. We never lost the beat for, for, we never skipped the beat for a moment. When, when events went uh, virtual, we were the first to go virtual. We were always decisive and moving fast and we were never the type of folks to sit back and wait. And that's the easiest thing to do, right? When the world is on fire, the easiest thing to do is say, well, let's just sit back and wait because I'm afraid to do anything. And I remember companies just shutting off their social media because I don't know what to do. Should I be talking about my product now? Should I be using humor now? And we yeah. found ways to use humor nonstop, even during COVID, avoiding certain topics that we, we knew would, would be offensive, but joking about, about others. So. You know, we would never joke about uh, the, the medical implications or, or vaccines or, or that area. But it, there's so many funny things happening with all of us working from home and having children and pets and uh, spouses and partners and, and all that stuff. So there's so much to joke about and lighten up the mood for everyone without, you know, just don't start your email with in these unprecedented times. And, and I hope this email finds you well. Right. We just don't do that. I love it, man. <laughs> you know, I love that you guys tried to do something, you know, and realized, hey, not not what we need to be doing and just corrected it right away. Like, I I mean, I'm not a customer, so I didn't get that email. But uh, if I would have gotten the response, I'm like, cool, you know, like. Uh, and I tell you, even though we only got like six complaint emails on the first email, an hour later when we send out the apology email, I got dozens of responses saying, wow, gone. I didn't really have the words to tell you what I felt about the fir first one, but I'm so glad you put this out and did the right thing. So that confirmed yeah. my suspicion that for every one person who took the time and found the words to send the complaint, there were 20 others who did not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like anytime we get a, a bad MPS score, I'm like, dude, 
we know there are 10 other people that just didn't give an MPS score that feel exactly. the same way. So we got to fix this. Exactly. So, okay. And then I wanted to ask you, you know, you see a lot of different companies and what they're doing. Are there any mistakes that you're like, man, I see people do this all the time and it's probably not, not the right thing to do and they could just adjust it a little bit and have a lot more success in building their own brands. Sure. Um, I think the two most common mistakes that I see other B2B brands making are one, the tone of voice that they use. Um, okay. And, you know, Gong is kind of famous for being this wacky, whimsical, very approachable brand. And it's very, very, very deliberate. It's about our, our bright colors and about the crazy dog who powers the chat on our website. And it's about the, the, the human voice that we use in our writing. It's, 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 you'll see sometimes broetry on our social media page on LinkedIn and memes and things that like a serious brand would never do. We're yeah. not a serious brand. We, we take our work very seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think the mistake that so many brands make is that they confuse being considered a serious authority with being boring. You don't have to be boring to be considered an authority. You don't have to be stuffy, right? Why are people browsing uh, through LinkedIn? Why are they scrolling? Because they want to be educated. They want to be entertained. They want to be distracted. And you can help them with all those things. If you're shoving your 40-page white paper, you're not helping them with any of those things. Why, why would they read it? If you're sounding like a, what you think a big, important brand should sound like instead of a helpful friend that actually wants to answer your customers' questions or make their days better, why would they follow your page? We're growing at a crazy pace. Like uh, We have over 1,000 new followers every week on, on LinkedIn. It's growing crazy. Why? Because people are tagging each other like, hey, dude, check out this, just what we were talking about. Or this, this funny joke is exactly what happened to us today at the water cooler. And they're bringing more and more people. And when we get all those followers, we're, we're about to hit 100,000 followers in a couple of weeks. When we get 100,000 followers, those are people where 90% of the time we're just giving them value when not asking for anything back in return. But every every so often, we can actually post a company announcement or a product announcement or get them to sign up for a webinar. And by then they've gotten so much value from us that they're like, sure, I'll, I'll attend this webinar. If it's anything like what I've been seeing on the social feed, it's going to be fun and great. And it will be, you, you attended our events, you know, they're fun and great. Fun. So, so having that tone of voice that, you know, stop being stuffy, like talk like you would write an email to your mother. Don't, don't think that you need to talk differently to your customers. Just be approachable and human. That's the number one mistake. And, and the number two mistake is related to that, and that is the actual content, not just the tone of voice, but what's in the content. If you keep starting with what my product team wants to say today, oh, we just announced version 2.4.0, and it's so exciting because it's got these two new bells and whistles. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Create yeah. amazing content by starting with what will make my customers' day better today. Um, when, when COVID started, we, we heard on our own gong calls that some of our um, salespeople selling into SMB accounts and never had to talk to a CFO to get their, their quote approved were suddenly being asked to talk to the CFO because if you remember at the start of COVID, CFO oh, yeah. locked down all investments and said everything goes through me now. And we, 
It took our content team about three days to figure out if we're hearing this on more and more of our sales calls, then everywhere salespeople are challenged by having to go through the CFO now, and they were never trained to do that. How do you justify and make a business case to the CFO? So within 48 hours, they put out a cheat sheet for how to get past your buyer's CFO. They published that on LinkedIn and in an email campaign, and it got thousands of downloads in the first day that it was published and, and quickly ranked, I think, number two or three in our most downloaded assets just by listening to what is happening in the market and what could be useful to our customers. So stop starting by, okay, what is going on in my development lab that I need to deliver outside? Start by what's going on outside that I can actually add value to. That's how you create great content. I love it, man. I love it. You, I remember that the CFO, like everyone, everyone was like, yeah, we're either not spending money or you got to meet with the CFO, even for small purchases. So, Indeed. dude, okay. One thing I want to circle back. You mentioned Bruno the dog. Yes. How did, how did Bruno the dog come to be? So, you know, about three years ago, we launched the, the current Gong brand, which, which will soon get an update, I have to say. Um, and we knew that we wanted to build this dream sales team. So we, we got these seven characters of different genders and races and ages. And we knew they had to have an office dog and, and we wanted a dog. We, ha we have many office dogs at Gong uh, when, when, when we're in the office. And uh, we had seven dogs audition for that role. True story. We have seven dogs audition for It's not just a random dog. It does not belong to any employee, contrary yeah. to common belief. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an actor dog. Their parents like sign them up for commercials and, and appearances like that. And cool. so they were one of the seven and we, we unanimously voted for Bruno because he just had the right look and the, the, he's, he's got this funny face that you just want to pet and cuddle. And uh, I, I have met him in person many times because we, we, we brought him over to holiday parties and blood drives and whatever we were doing that needed a friendly face. Even at our conference in San Francisco, we had a line of like 100 people standing to take a selfie with Bruno. He was sitting on that armchair that, that was once featured on the website. Where do you see a B2B conference with a selfie station for a dog and 100 customers waiting in line with their phones to take a selfie with the dog? You know you've built something right with yeah. that. Yeah, you're doing something right at that point. Um, I love it, man. And then uh, last question. I, I wanted to ask you about your Super Bowl commercial. You yeah. guys, I've never seen B2B super, you know, on the Super Bowl. It's usually all your consumer brands. But you guys had a had a spot on the commercial or on the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And how did that come to be? And, and what kind of return did you guys see out of that? Sure. So I think the reason you don't see a lot of Super Bowl commercials from B2B brands, there, there are a handful. If, if you go like a decade, there's a handful of them. Um, a, it's crazy expensive. Two, it's ridiculously hard to measure the impact of it. Yeah. And most brands just want to play it safe and do what everyone else is doing. But if you and, and they call it best practices, right, which, which I, I have an issue with, because by the time something becomes a best practice, it's just an ordinary practice. So if you're only doing your whatever Google and LinkedIn advertising and doing the same thing as everyone else, how do you expect to have extraordinary results? How are you going to stand out if you're doing the exact same thing as everyone else? So yeah. at Gong, we're always looking at what nobody is doing. And then let's go do that. So nobody in our space was doing Super Bowl ads. So of course I was intrigued when uh, CBS reached out to me last year and said, 
hey, you want to do the Super Bowl? And uh, my initial reaction was, well, it's probably too expensive and I'm probably not that stage yet, but you know what? At some point we will be, I want to learn more. And the more I learned about it, I figured that with a few interesting hacks, I can actually solve a big part of the targeting challenge that you have with national television. So the two main ways that we solve for that are one, rather than taking a national spot, which would have been a huge waste of money because a national spot would, would reach potato growers in Idaho. Now they're great folks, but they're never gonna buy revenue intelligence. And so rather than spending my money on the potato growers in Idaho, I bought regional spots in very specific hubs like San Francisco, New York, and Seattle, where I got coverage for about 80% of my customer base for a tiny fraction of the cost of if I had done a national spot. So that, that was one hack to help with geo-targeting. And the second hack was in the creative itself. So my, my challenge that I was trying to solve was, you know, Super Bowl is basically a bunch of drunk people with a bowl of Doritos on their bellies sitting on their couch on a Sunday afternoon. How do I ensure that the sales leaders, which is the audience I'm going for, don't use the bathroom during that commercial break? How do they know that this is a commercial they should sit in for? This one is for them. Yep. You know, a lot of commercials, they get to the point in the very last frame, you know, like watching something that you don't know, is this a perfume or a shoe commercial? I, I don't know. And then at the last frame, they tell you who it is. I'm like, I can't be that guy. Um, we have to tell them in the first frame that this is for you, Billy. You do not get up off the couch right now. And the way we solve for that is if, if you Google the Gong Super Bowl commercial, you'll see it. The first five seconds of the commercial have this nameplate that says VP of sales and we're zooming out of that. That's how the commercial starts. And it's the oldest trick in the book, only I haven't seen it used that way on television. I've seen it used on social media. I've seen it used in the email subject lines, right? If you're a CRO and you get an email saying the three tips every CRO needs, you're probably gonna open that because you're like, oh, this is created for me. And if you see on LinkedIn something like, you know, the two biggest mistakes CROs make, like, hmm, maybe I'm making one of these. I'll take a look at that. But on television, I haven't seen that targeting done in that way. And I'm like, if it works everywhere else, it'll probably work on TV. And guess what? It did. So those are like two hacks that we use to really hone in on the targeting and get to the VPs of sales in the geographies that I was looking for. And they watch the app. So, so that's, that's how that came to be. And when I, when I took the ideas to my CEO and then my CFO, they're like, and even to my board, because the, the, the amounts of money are still substantial, they needed to approve it. They're like, yeah. you know what? We don't usually like the idea of uh, mass marketing like Super Bowl for B2B brands, but if anyone can pull this off, the Gong marketing team probably can. So they, they gave me some rope and gave me some money and said, go, go do this. Let's, let's see what you can do. Now, you asked about results. We, we set up expectations that this will probably have some long-term brand awareness results. And we were we were pretty sure that we won't be able to measure anything in the short term, right? People are sitting with their, again, bowl of Doritos in front of the TV on a Sunday. You're not going to see them all going to the website asking for a demo, right? That's, that's just not going to happen. Um, and that's why we were very pleasantly surprised when they actually did that. So um, I was sitting in front of Google Analytics during the Super Bowl day, looking at the second by second play, not of the Super Bowl, yeah. but what's happening on my website. And every time the commercial went on, we, we ran like 12 spots that day. Every time the commercial went on, you saw an amazing spike of traffic. Um, not a lot of it converted on the day of Super Bowl, although we, we did get, it was our best Sunday ever, but it was still not a crazy number of, of demos. 
But if you look at the seven days that follow the Super Bowl, so Super Bowl week, we broke all the previous records at Gong for inbound sales accepted opportunities. So people did get off their couch, maybe not during the game, but the day later, and when they sat down at their computer, they're like, oh, I still got that Gong commercial in my head, or they saw uh, one of our uh, ads on social that followed up on the Super Bowl ad, because we, we had a pretty big digital support campaign for that uh, Super Bowl ad, and then they went and asked for their demo, and we broke all of our inbound records that week. So with that in my pocket, uh, I made the CFO a fan, and, and we're now in the process of getting ready for the next one, which is going to be bigger. So it can be done, folks. Great. I love it, man. I'm sure uh, I'm sure sales loved you guys uh, in the next week or two. We, so. Yes, yes. We had to transfer some of the outbound SDRs temporarily into inbound just to pick up the phones because, as I said, we broke all the records. We, we didn't even have the capacity to schedule all those demos. I love it, man. I love it. Udi, thank you so much um, for joining us. And if anyone wants to reach out to you and continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, the two best ways are connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm only I'm the only Udi Lettergore on LinkedIn, so it should be uh, difficult to find me. And uh, if you do have a sales team, you have to go to gong.io and uh, get your demo because that's what the cool kids are doing. Awesome. I agree. Go get it. It's great stuff. Okay. Thank you, Udi, and we'll talk later. Great chatting with you. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And for past episodes, go to chatfunnels.com slash podcast.